0: This is the full interview from a segment from the Overdrive radio and podcast program. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au. One of the initial problems with our attitude to electric vehicles that still exists to a considerable extent today is the attitude that if it doesn't suit me, then it's no use to anyone. But good management is understanding the actual needs and opportunities in developing technologies, in this case, electric vehicles, whether they be powered by batteries or hydrogen fuel cells. Two companies have just made a joint cooperation agreement, announcement of that, to encourage hydrogen fuel cells in vehicles in a particular location. Jeff Drucker is the managing director of Countrywide Hydrogen, and he joins us from Tasmania. G'day, Jeff. Hello, David. You are Countrywide Hydrogen. Well, what's that? What's the company? What does that do?
1: So, Countrywide Hydrogen develops renewable hydrogen projects with a focus on using green power to produce green hydrogen, and that green hydrogen being used in the domestic market here in Australia. And our first projects will be in Tasmania. And there's a variety of reasons why we've chosen Tasmania, but we see that as being becoming a showcase for the mainland.
0: So you will bring together technology from wherever necessary in order to get a project up and running?
1: Absolutely. So all the technology that we need for the production of hydrogen is proven, tested, works, is operational around the world. And the same goes for the technology that we will be using for our hydrogen refuelling station. So our projects will be um, using green power to split water, H2O, into hydrogen and oxygen. We can capture both. The hydrogen then will be made available in two ways. One, via our refuelling stations for the road transport sector. Um, and then, secondly, hydrogen being injected into the natural gas networks where our projects are in Tasmania, and we've got three of them to uh, decarbonise natural gas.
0: Okay, so it has joint uses. Why Tasmania, apart from that, from a
1: transport perspective?
0: What's its advantage?
1: The advantage of Tasmania, it's a good question, David, is the fact that it's an island state. So we don't need to worry about having refuelling stations interstate. All we need to worry about is having strategically located refuelling stations in Tasmania, sufficient to ensure that any road transport operator has got access to hydrogen where and when they need it. Now, being the state that, the size of the state that it is, we only need three refuelling stations. We'll have one just north of Hobart at Brighton, where there's a transport hub. We'll have one at Western Junction, which is just near Launceston, that's where the um, Launceston Airport is, another transport hub and also being developed into an intermodal, and then a third at Burnie, just outside of Burnie, which gives us a triangle of refuelling stations in the, across the state.
0: Are you targeting intra-township types of transport trips over long distances or is there an opportunity to do perhaps local deliveries, parcel deliveries and so on for fleets to take on hydrogen?
1: Our target is any vehicle travelling long distance, any vehicle carrying heavy payloads or any vehicle that is on the road for a long, a number of hours a day and can't afford to be off the road as a battery electric vehicle being recharged. So it's long distance road transport, it's heavy road transport, like waste collection trucks and and cement trucks. But uh, more importantly, um, like today's announcement with 7R Logistics, they um, freight significant volumes of milk in Tasmania for very large organisations like Fonterra and Saputo. They operate A-doubles and um, uh, you know the weight that they're carrying is significant. And obviously with uh, weight being a critical ele- element in road transport, if a lot of that weight's taken up with a battery for a battery electric vehicle, it just doesn't work. So While battery electric will be wonderful for smaller vehicles, those those that are uh, like vans and and other vehicles operating over short distances or not all day, it'll be fuel cell that will carry the the heavy loads.
0: You are going into cooperation with 7R Logistics. These are people that organise and run various fleets. Is that their nature?
1: Yes. So 7R Logistics is based in Gympie in Queensland. They've got about just under 50 trucks operating throughout Australia, 12 in Tasmania, trucks in South Australia, New South Wales and Queensland. And they're obviously keen to use Tasmania as a test market to demonstrate how decarbonising their operation will have um, a significant impact, not only in terms of emissions reduction, and just with emissions reduction, among 12 trucks, they'll be abating 3 million Kilograms of CO2 a year with those 12 trucks, but also they see it as giving them a competitive advantage in the marketplace because a lot of customers of these sorts of organisations, like Pontera, like Secuto, like the supermarkets, they've all got emissions reductions targets and they want road transport to be emission free.
0: Emissions are an important point. How much of Tasmanians' emissions can you attribute to road transport?
1: 20% in the north. Around Hobart, we understand it's 30%. And we're about to um, uh, we're in the process of undertaking a study in collaboration with the University of Tasmania and Griffith University to actually identify the routes where the bulk of road transport is operating and what and quantify the emissions from those from those vehicles such that we know what can be abated by transitioning from um, from fossil fuels to um, to fuel cell and battery electric where that's appropriate.
0: We talk about the amount of pollution. It does actually, I think University of Melbourne has measured or done some research to work out just the sort of impacts that has on
1: Tasmanians. It's huge. I mean, the, um, the, the health effects of emissions from road transport have been quantified by the University of Melbourne. If we extrapolate the, the numbers that the University of Melbourne has delivered, I understand it's something like, 200 premature deaths a year and 200 premature hospitalisations for cardiac and respiratory issues as a result of road transport emissions. So there's not only the the, the climate change impact, but as an environmental impact, there's also the health impact of uh, emissions from road transport as well.
0: This is often overlooked, really. We think of it as a, uh, a moral issue when there's a lot of practical
1: implications for you and me. Oh, absolutely, and you know, if you think about various initiatives that are taken by governments to make changes, health's often underscoring those initiatives. And and with road transport, I don't know whether you're aware, but there's been quite a deal of concern in um, in and around inner Melbourne, particularly Maribyrnong, where it's been quantified the number of people who have suffered from um, road transport impacts on their health, or the emissions from road transport impacts on their health, and they need to make take steps to stop. Stop those heavy vehicles being in suburban areas, and it, you know it's reflected also in the fact that intermodals are now being established where they're connecting rail with road to actually get those heavy vehicles out of CBD areas or close into CBD areas, out to um, outer suburbs, and then distributing from them.
0: Part of the problem with the heavy vehicles too is we have an old fleet, and we often pension older vehicles into those short distance uh, urban trips. Yeah, it is a major problem, but. If you are transporting large amounts, and you're talking about big trucks, significant size trucks, is there a compromise in the hydrogen fueled vehicle? Is it a compromise in the
1: sort of performance and power and that that they can get? Nothing at all in terms of performance, power, torque, range, nothing at all in that regard. The compromise is in the capex. The actual cost of a truck is higher than the cost of a diesel truck. So the capex is higher but the OPEX is a lot less. So over the life of a a fuel cell vehicle compared to a diesel truck, it's equivalent. And we're going to be able to deliver hydrogen in Tasmania at a price that is now equivalent to the price of diesel. That is conditional upon final... Purchase price that we'll get from the state government. They've committed to that in the in the Tasman- in their Tasmanian Tasmanian renewable hydrogen action plan. So they've made a commitment to support the industry to abate these emissions, and um, we're just waiting on that final number to come from them. But based on what we've we've given to the um, the state government, they know exactly what what the impact of the energy price is on the price of hydrogen, and they recognise also that equating the price of diesel and hydrogen is a way forward for us. The other benefit, if I could just go on for a moment, David, is that if um, if we begin this transition from, from diesel to hydrogen and battery electric as well, we're going to reduce the reliance on imported fuels, and that's an issue, as is the reserves of fuels in Australia. We've gotten down to seven days on two occasions, that I can remember, of diesel supplies in Australia. So if we can start producing our energy at home, it's green energy. It's emission-free energy, and the price of the energy is equivalent to the price of, of diesel imported. And the diesel prices, with them, we're we're beholden to the OPEC oil countries for deciding what the price of that is. We we're can we're, we're going to be so much better off environmentally and also operationally because we're going to be able to deliver a consistent hydrogen price because we'll know what our input costs are, and we won't be we won't have to equate the price of hydrogen to the price of petroleum or natural gas. It'll be on its own plateau.
0: Good Australian hydrogen has been a message that I don't think has been pushed nearly as strongly as it deserves to be. And I think security and stability is an important part of that in a world where geopolitics is fraught with difficulties.
1: Totally. And and, and David, the, where we differentiate ourselves from... Um, other hydrogen proponents, they're all talking about um, exporting hydrogen. We all know that Australia, the backbone of Australian the Australian economy is road transport, whether it's livestock, produce, goods, whatever it is. Our road transport is critical to our economy. If we're going to reduce that 20% impact on the environment from emissions from road transport, reducing it, the only way will be for us to start to transition away from, from diesel to emission-free road transport.
0: You'll have three major uh, production areas. Will you think about having sub-sites where you could deliver hydrogen to? And uh, and this, I think, particularly goes into urban areas. Is is that part of your plan? Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. In fact, um, one of the big councils that we're in discussion with down here in Tasmania operates 60 waste collection trucks. And their interest is is in transitioning twenty of those to fuel cell, but that would mean that we would be then supplying hydrogen to their depot, which is which is quite plausible. It's not an issue at all with that. Um we'd be supplying them in in containers that have got cigar tubes in them with high pressure hydrogen supplied.
0: Finally, Well, you talked about hydrogen being equated to being equal with the price of diesel. Operating costs of a hydrogen vehicle, would that come down compared to an internal combustion
1: engine? Absolutely. Like an internal combustion engine, and we are in talking with with Tim Jensen, the managing director of 7R Logistics today, he said that an internal combustion engine vehicle has got thousands of moving parts. He said a fuel cell truck, like a battery electric vehicle, has hardly got any moving parts. So the opex of these vehicles is way, way lower than it is with a, uh, an internal combustion engine. And, but you know, not only that, we've got no emissions. We've got driver comfort because there's no vibration. There's no smell. It's a perfect um, outcome in terms of all the combinations that come together.
0: Driver comfort is something I think Mercedes found enormously, which is a great idea, let alone the fact that I see a lot of trucks drive around with the window down, which must make for noise, or let alone uh, compression braking, which we'll get rid of. Just finally, is there going to be? trucks available for companies to purchase
1: to be able to use this? So our first hydrogen production, David, will be at the end of 2024, maybe early 2025, depending on the timing of delivery of our electrolysers that that produce the hydrogen from electricity and water. And that is the timing of the first um, fuel cell trucks being available in Australia as well. So everything is aligned at the moment to um, start that decarbonisation um, in just, a well, in, in about Maybe 20 months.
0: We don't have to and can't do it immediately, but gee, we can get going in the right direction. Too right. It's exciting. Jeff. that's lovely. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Take care. And that's Jeff Drucker, the Managing Director of Countrywide Hydrogen. He joined us from Tasmania, where they're using new technology to fit a specific situation to the benefit of both operators and the community. Overdrive is a radio and podcast program featuring road tests, interviews and features on motoring and transport. More information is available at drivenmedia.com.au and podcasts on Spotify or iTunes.